Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 12, Jesus' Cup. Our text to begin is Acts chapter 12 from verse 1 to verse 4. It says this, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James the brother of John with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. What does it mean to follow Jesus? If we asked that question in our churches here in Uganda, we'd probably get some answers like, it means to do good, to, to live a good life, to be kind, and those types of answers. Others would also mention they think it means to have their problems eliminated and an abundant life of wealth, health, and success in whatever their hand finds to do. The New Testament gives us very clear statements about what following Jesus means. James and John once came to Jesus asking to be given positions of honor in his kingdom by being seated at his right hand and left hand. Jesus responded with an interesting statement. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 22, we read, Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. Jesus tells the brothers, they don't know what they're asking for. But instead of inquiring to find out what it meant to drink Jesus' cup, the brothers quickly affirm that they're able to drink the same cup as he is going to drink. Then Jesus says to them in verse 23, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. James and John like many of us, were unaware of the cost of following Jesus. They didn't know what exactly it was going to mean in their future. We can understand just what the cup of Jesus was when we read of James' fate here in Acts 12. Wicked King Herod seized him and killed him with the sword, and at the same time he arrested Peter. God uses the expression of a cup several times in Scripture to picture what God has prepared, whether it be for an individual person or, or an entire nation or even the whole world. He speaks of a cup storing the iniquity of the world that will eventually be poured out on all people who reject Christ. In Psalm 75 verse 8 we read, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. In Revelation, there is a cup of guilt in the hand of the great prostitute, when she's described in Revelation 17, in the vision that God gives John. In verse 4 to 6 of Revelation 17, we read, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, 
mother of prostitutes, and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman, drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. When Jesus was arrested in the garden, and Peter drew his sword to fight, Jesus made this comment to him. In John 18, verse 10 and 11, we read these details. It says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? I've had an infection for a couple of days that has made me quite dehydrated. And yesterday, a physician gave me a packet of medicine to mix with a liter of water to help me get rehydrated. She mentioned it wouldn't taste very good, and she was definitely right. It did not taste very good. That's the imagery given here by Jesus. The cup is going to be a bitter one, but I must drink what my Father has prepared for me. What did Jesus' cup include? In Isaiah 53 verse 4, we're told that Jesus' cup was a cup of sorrow. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. It was a cup of hardship. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, we read, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus endured just a lot of physical hardship in his life. He was not born into a wealthy family, as some prosperity teachers in the West like to claim, nor did he handle big money, as some of them like to claim. He was born into a poor family. He, he worked in a, as a, a working tradesman until he began his ministry. And he mentions here in this text that his ministry included just wandering around without a home. It was also a cup of sacrifice. In Matthew 20, verse 28, we read, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come doing his own will, or living for himself, or seeking his own things. He came to do his Father's will, and he gave his life for us. It was also a cup of loneliness. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, Jesus is described like this. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Ultimately, though, Jesus' cup was the cup of God's wrath against the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, and then verse 10 and 11, we read, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The Lord laid all of our sins on Jesus. 
Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friend, we need to understand what it means to drink the same cup as Jesus. Lest you think you can follow him and avoid the medicinal cup that he's prepared for you, consider this text from Romans 8, which explains a condition for being a co-heir with Christ. In verse 16 and 17 of Romans 8, we read, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. A provision in a will means there are certain stipulations or conditions that must be met for distribution of an inheritance. In this passage, we see suffering is the mark of fellow inheritors with Christ. Our Lord has given everything for us, and it makes sense then that we should in turn give all of ourselves for him. He is not something we add to our lives, but rather he becomes our very life. We'll conclude with this passage from Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, which says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. God bless you all.